I started playing EVE about a year and a half ago because it's pretty much the most most in-depth game that I can get my hands on. And since then, I've been killing people and stealing things for about a year and a half now. I am Bobby Todd, and I am the Gamerati. Gamerati.com. It's good to be a gamer. And we are here for, what is this, fifth episode? I think so. January, February, March, April, May. Yeah, fifth episode. Uh, it was like 50. I know. I'm getting sick of you guys already. <laughs> of the Behind the DM Screen podcast. Yay! Uh, we want to thank our sponsors, uh, Gamerati and Continue Magazine. And we'll be playing, uh, you've already heard the Gamerati ad, and we'll be playing the uh, the Continue Magazine one later on. I don't know, we'll stick it in in between a couple of our segments. So, so there, deal with that. We also have some uh, exciting news in that we have managed to get Mike to completely flip-flop on his opinion of all of you people. I have? Yes. A rare event. What? Mike was, was adamant in previous conversations that he never wanted to talk to any of you. Oh, that's true. I don't think I exactly said that. <laughs> no, no, no. I believe he called he called you the sweat the sweating masses. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was in our private conversation. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> but Mike, what's going to happen now? What are we going to do? We're gonna we're gonna give advice. We're gonna we're gonna review a uh, somebody sent in a, an email asking talking about their campaign a little bit and asking our advice. We're gonna give them hopefully something useful and hoping hopefully something other folks find useful too. Right on. Advice may not actually be good. And, and you know, honestly, we've been getting emails asking for advice since episode one. Yep. And most people I've been responding to saying, hey, that's not really what we're doing, but, you know, maybe I'll hang on to this and we'll deal with it with the Tome Show advice episode or whatever. Well, all of you people that emailed asking for advice, send it back in because <laughs> it's time uh, we're going to start doing one email and only one. a month. <laughs> one and only one. We're never going to go over one. Um, so people, if you want to send this, send that in, you can email it to the Tome show at gmail.com and I will forward it on to the other guys. Um, you can also call into our, uh, voicemail line. That is nine one nine B I Z T O M E nine one nine biz tome. And, uh, we, then we can just integrate your voice right into the whole episode, which will be nifty it's, Frito. It's magical. It is. So we got an email from Chad. Hey, Chad. Who is looking for some advice for his uh, 1 to 30 campaign that is now in the, what, uh, Paragon tier? Yeah, uh, it's just just heading into Paragon. He just, just started the heroic – or just ending the heroic tier, it sounded like. So, Mike, why don't you uh, summarize the advice he's looking for? Oh, let me pull it up. I wasn't, I wasn't ready. All right, Randall, why don't you summarize oh, I got that? It. I got it. We're good. So um, he's got a long campaign. Uh, he's running a 1 to 30 campaign that's just an ending the heroic and heading into Paragon. Um, and he's got a few different ideas about wh- where he wants things to go. He liked the idea of um, restoring the Lattice of Heaven, uh, and he wanted to introduce – he had some ideas for introducing uh, key bad guys, including getting the party – uh, woven into the the well, I, woven into the web of Vecna doesn't make sense, does it? Because that's kind of lost territory. But you know, getting 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 integrated with Vecna, who's always a pretty good a pretty good bad guy. Right. Um, so it sounds like they you know he's got a few different things in heroic tier that he's been doing. They went to the underdark. They went and found a lost city that's actually a it sounds like a giant planar ship. Um, 
So, you know, he's, he's got a lot of different things. Uh, but his, his main question was, how do you introduce, uh, how do you introduce somebody that, you know, the party may very clearly find out is evil. Uh, he didn't, he didn't really speculate or, or, or state whether or not they'll be aware of the fact that it would be an agent of Vecna. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally think it'd be more interesting if they know if they know that it's an agent of Vecna. That way, there's not this. Oh, look, it's the NPC who turns out to be a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to know what the best way is to have you know have um, uh, an, uh, an enemy like that or have an uh, an NPC like that uh, that works with the party. Well, and 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 you kind of glossed over. I think what probably the most interesting thing he's trying to do here, because the bad guys he has working for a good god. Ah yes, and, and and the the purpose is the god is working for the greater good, right? But needs to do some kind of shady things in order to achieve the greater good, and is willing to sort of work with these bad guys to to meet those ends. And so he wants to sort of flip it mm-hmm. and have then the good guys working for an evil god, and he's sort of leaning towards Vecna for that right. purpose. And that's where right. we're trying to figure out how do we integrate Vecna into into his game into his campaign. And, right. and I actually I actually did something similar. Um, oh, this was. Back in my college days when we were playing third edition, um, I did something similar with – and actually with Vecna specifically. Um, they had a, 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 a magic item. In fact, it might have been an artifact that was an amulet that was, was intelligent. And, and it was you know, the cleric wore it and it was you know, the voice of God. Right. It, was, it was actually a direct connection to, to an angel. It was right. um, that that you know and that angel was the voice, you know, the voice or the herald of God or what have you. And then uh, at one point – you know that character was lost while they were traveling through the plains and, and what have you, um, and I had the amulet secretly replaced by an aspect of Vecna, mm-hmm. and so then they went on for probably a good five or, or so levels, thinking that they were talking to this angel, and in fact it was Vecna subtly manipulating them the whole time. Yeah, you know, and there's a nice little gray area where there, uh, and, and you know, going another direction, you can you can create this gray area where. Maybe they don't outright say they're an agent of Vecna, but they don't deny it either. They're not pretending to be something mm-hmm. they're not. They're just mm-hmm. not mentioning it and, and building some trust in, and with an NPC, whether it be you know a magic item or a person, you know. And so, and and you know the PCs have always known them to be fairly reasonable. And then when the time comes to present their compelling argument, it should still be compelling regardless of who they follow. Right. You know, that's where the real sort of interesting decision-making process comes in. Right, right. So I wanted to say some things before Mike just uh, took over. So go ahead, Mike. Um, I'll start by quoting George Orwell in his article, Politics in the English, English Language, which is first and foremost, break any of the rules rather than say anything outright barbarous. So, you know, all of the advice that we give may or may not work for you, and you should take that which you think will work well and omit that which will not. Don't assume that anybody knows what's right for your game. Um, so that aside, we know what's right for your game. Uh, so one one thing that, that kind of struck me when I was reading the overall article is he, he seems to have the plot line already filled out. And that can get a little... It depends on how you fill it out. But one of the more interesting ways to think about it is instead of thinking about story and plot, it's more interesting to think about the actions of NPCs. So if he picks out all of the key NPCs for this large thing, uh, you know, Arathis and Vecna being kind of the two main ones, and that that's probably a good start. You don't want to throw too many different personalities in at the same time. Um, 
you know, kind of saying, you know, every every time you're thinking about where the story is going, saying, well, what would Arath, what's Arathis doing right now? And what is Vecna doing right now? And how, you know, what is their motivation and what, what actions are they taking while the PCs are performing their actions? And that can be harder to do when you're, you know, 20 levels away from them. Um, you know, there, there might not be anything close. So then you might have NPCs that are a little closer. Um, but I always think that kind of letting the story, you know, grow organically from the actions of NPCs and the actions of PCs can make for a far more interesting ending that you won't know. You know, it's just kind of hard to let go sometimes, but it's um, it's a good thing to do. Uh, the other main main thought that I had is um, that you know the villains that are most interesting are the ones that are telling the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, that the the villains have a motivation and they believe their motivation is right. That they're not bad guys twirling their mustaches and just blowing blowing things up. They actually have a method and a, and a motivation. And where they work best with PCs is when that method and motivation is the same thing. So, like one of my favorite things about you know, I've, I've I've recently had Loth as a as a main quest giving NPC to the my epic tier group, and what I love about her is that she has a plot and she's doing things, but you know she the party is is right now in heading in the same direction, so she doesn't lie to them. You know she she doesn't have, you know she puts situations in front of them and tells them you're going to have to make a choice, but she doesn't. You know there's there's not you would think that she'd be the absolute spinner of lies, but the worst lies are the ones that are so buried. That they're completely buried under the truth, so you can't even figure out. You know, uh-huh. well, I think it's true, but I can't go. And it seems Vecna. Vecna's a great villain because he's smart, right? He's 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 not a, you know, he's not Orcus. You know, Orcus is kind of a. I mean, Orcus is smart too, but he's not exactly the kind of you know villain that you would think is going to be really detailed working with NPCs and building webs of subtlety. Um, but Vecna is just like Loth and, and that's why Vecna can work really well. So finding ways where Vecna's goals and the party's goals align and having them be straight up, you know, and that's really worse. Cause it's like, yeah, it's one thing if we think that we're being lied to and duped, it's something else. If we are told the truth and we do it anyway. Well, and, and I think that's a really good point because being evil doesn't necessarily mean that what they're trying to do <laughs> is bad. Right. It's, ju- it's just self-serving, you know? Right. Um, just because they're evil doesn't mean they're wrong. Right. You know, uh, one of the main quest givers that, you know, uh, in my campaign was, I think it might have been back in the late heroic tier. Um, they actually met Sirik, you know, the yeah. god of of, in, uh, of uh, strife and, and, you know, lies and murder and all these other horrible things to the point that the gods themselves imprisoned this guy in his own plane because he was so horrible and evil. Right. They met Sirik. And he gave them five quests, which they've, they've, they're only just now fulfilling the last of those five quests now at level like 26. Mm-hmm. Right? So, I mean, these, these things have spanned a long time. Um, and they, the quests were, are true. I mean, they are helping the characters achieve their goals in every way, shape, and form. They are helping the, the characters, the PCs, uh, bring back Mistra, the goddess of magic, mm-hmm. because that's, that's what they want to do. But what he's not bothering to tell them is, while well, he was imprisoned for killing Mr. the Goddess of Magic. Surely, if she's not dead, he can't be imprisoned for killing her. Ha. Right? He's think, he thinks he's found a loophole. Right. right. You know? And so there's this whole little secret loophole in the whole thing that, that is sort of this B-plot to the whole campaign mm-hmm. um, of him. He, you know, you may achieve your goals, and he's helping you achieve your goals, but it's self-serving because it means he's going to go free too. Right. Yeah, so that, that's cool stuff. Anyway, that was all the advice I had. No, I think I think that's that's really good. I think the idea of having the the NPC or the agent or whatever, absolutely telling the truth, 
helping them in every way, shape, or form, but it being also self-serving at the same time still right. allows them to be evil and still allows you know allows them to be everything that they yeah. are. Doesn't mean they can't screw them later. Sure. Well, and and maybe they don't. Maybe they don't screw them the whole time. But you've got right. to deal with the fact that you've been working with the devil this this whole time. Yeah. Exactly. And and, and you know. And you're playing the same game that Arathis is playing. You know, it's it's you're doing it because you believe it's for the greater good. You're working with the bad guy because you think it's for the greater good. Yep. Randall, any thoughts? I do have a couple of thoughts. Um, first of all, um, those are all great story ideas. I think those are fantastic. Do those things. Um, on a practical level, you're asking for specific agencies. If it's Vecna, liches, 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 oh, liches all liches. over the place. And the thing about liches is that they're ultra-powerfully magical, which means they can cloak themselves. Liches do not, even though it's popular depiction, they do not have to look like, you know, these half-skeleton mummy things. They can look perfectly normal. But imagine a lich that's guiding, um, basically maybe through his own tomb Mm -hmm. to eliminate things. And, of course, like I said, you know, most of the time liches, most of the time, liches are evil. So maybe the clearing out the tomb or whatever, um, since we're talking about a Paragon-level thing, um, is self-serving for some other thing. Maybe you're releasing something else, which makes a great little side adventure along the way. Um, I think Mike's exactly right. You want to be careful of of railroading, um, and you want to be careful not to close your plot off. I mean, even though you've got a nice long arc there, you want to be careful not to close your plot off entirely because your PCs may do something you don't even expect. And, and you want that. Yeah. And, and you do kind of want that. So, yeah, keep yourself open. Yeah. But um, as far as some practical, like I said, liches, 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 um, what would be great is if you introduce someone subtle. Um, one of the things about Vecta, right? Uh, missing an eye, missing an arm or hand. So, you introduce an NPC that's a, um, it's got a patch, he's a pirate. Maybe it's actually an agent of Vecna. So, and a hook you know, for a hand. And a hook for a hand, exactly. There's a pirate. All the characters are going to see are pirate. Nope. Agent of Vecna. Yeah. Or a so, yeah. wizard um, with and, two different color eyes. Turns out one of them is fake. And it was in front yeah. of you the whole time. Exactly. So those are the kind of things that you can really use that on, a, on a very practical level to, um, to start that ball rolling. And then, of course, you can just grow it from there. But um, that was my big, uh, my big piece. So. Right on. Very good. Yeah. So there that is. There's, there's the best we can come up with, and hopefully it comes in useful to you, um, Chad. So uh, if anybody else wants to send us a, an email, we'll do one of these a month. So that's uh, thetomeshow at gmail.com or 919-BizTome. For entire generations of people now, gaming is as much a part of the fabric of their reality as television, films, books, music, and any other form of entertainment medium. Continue is a magazine for the gaming community, the global gaming community. Not just video and computer games, but board games, card games, role-playing games, alternate reality games, and anything that falls into the category of humans engaging to have fun. A celebration of gaming. Everything we love about this mad entertainment sector. Continue Magazine at www.continuemag.com. Time to get into our games. Yes. And I'm going to go first because last time I had a bunch of questions and we got to like half of them. Hmm. Um, Although this time I have a lot less to ask about, (laughs) so ironically. (laughs) Uh, But I'm going to go first anyway. 
Um, when last we spoke uh, in my campaign, they were going underwater to collect what turned out to be um, the holding chambers, if you will, of five of the seven sisters, the Chosen of Mistra. Um, and while down there, they faced Umberly, um, which I reskinned. Um, was it Old Hydra? Old Hydra. Yeah. So I just I, I played it. Just I didn't change the stats at all. I just changed the name. Yep. Um, and then ran it as Umberly, um, evil goddess of the sea that she is. And, and then because Randall insisted, uh, I had her with a pair of her um, her servitors, which were uh, astral kraken. There you go. Got to have kraken. So there were two kraken and an Umberly, and they had the party on the ropes. It was pretty pretty. Uh, I mean, Umberly was kicking their butt, although. She took it as much as she gave it, and I think she dropped in about three rounds. Yeah. Um, the Kraken stuck around and actually um, posed a, a problem because they, you know, they'd shot all their all their powers on Umberly. <laughs> it's like, well, great, but you still got these two other solos in the fight. So. <laughs> uh, and, and they it, were so they were what level? Uh, it, I during the their astral Kraken straight out of the compendium. No, I mean, what level are your PCs? Oh, they were 25, 26. And um, Old Hydra's, what, 34 or something? 33? Something like, yeah, something like that. They yeah. It's took, a tough fight. They took her apart. Yeah. yeah. But that's where they're at. That's what they're doing. That's why, you know, I've, I'll, they'll, I've been using your trick from years back, right? Or I put the initiative cards on the screen and, and it's got their their uh, their defenses right on it. Right. To save time and speed up combat at, at Epic Tier. And so I'll put the card out, and they're like, holy cow, i got to roll like an 18 to hit that. i got to roll a 20 to hit that. And it's like, yeah, but you know what? You, yeah. you will, and, you'll, you still, and, and you'll still kill it in three rounds, so I'm not worried about it. You know, yep. Complain all you want. <laughs> I'm going to continue throwing this stuff at you. Deal with it. Um, so Excellent. that happened, and then I had to figure out the next uh, branch of the campaign on my own. This was the last quest or clue from Cyric, which was uh, leading them to a, a gray dragon. Um, on an island, a bald sea mount in the middle of the Sea of Fallen Stars. And I went to Twitter and got a little bit of help and some advice on, on some inspiration on what to do with that. And ultimately what I came up with was um, this dragon, which appeared during the Spell Plague. Um, and I had sort of always sort of thought I was going to make it from the other world. That's why it just sort of appeared. Uh, it wasn't isn't actually a dragon, but is actually a primor- primordial mm. in, in the shape of a mm. dragon. Okay. Um, and one of the primordials that ruled over an empire of uh, Dragonborn. And he was trying to figure out some way to bring, you know, his his servitors or his minions or his army or whatever to this world, which is completely blocked off and can't be done. And so he's found a, an ally or he's gotten help from Orcus. And, you know, Orcus is of, is, of course, getting his own thing out of it too. And is using the Shadowfell to essentially... Um, bring his bring his minions to this world through the Shadowfell, but they have to die to do it. And so they're coming back as you know Death Knights and things. Hmm. Um, and so that's that's where there there are, there are actually two um, two encounters into that one. There's four encounters total in that little leg of the adventure. Um, the first one of which is fight the the creature in its hum- in a human form, and then I gave it a. a triggered power that when it becomes bloodied, it can phase through uh, stone. So, mm-hmm. oh, look, you bloodied it. It disappears. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So um, we did that, and then it shows up again at the end. But after they've gone through some challenges and what have you, it's, it's a little tricksy that way. 
Um, so that's where they're finishing up. And I've, and I've been very sort of upfront with them and clear with them. Okay, at this point, after we're done with this, I'm not feeding you quests anymore. I'm expecting because you're going to be level 27 at that point. And, and we're quickly approaching the end of the campaign at level 30. Mm-hmm. I'm going to assume at that point that you're going to start taking the fight to the bad guys. And you're going to tell me where you're going and what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Now, that said, I've laid some groundwork way back at the beginning of Epic Tier when um, our ranger took his uh, Epic Destiny, which was Punisher of the Gods. Mm-hmm. I, I had tattoos appear all over his body. Right of every creature. He's That's ever, right. Yeah, the memento ever. thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. So he's got these yeah. ta- these tattoos that have been with names scratched off of all the people he's ever killed, and then there's this list of ten on his arm of the people he's supposed to kill. So the next one on the list, and I've and I've gotten some indication that you know they're just going to sort of follow the list. The next person he's supposed to kill is Orcus. Ah, nice. And there's been some indication that Orcus is working with Zaztam, and Orcus yeah, is yeah. obviously uh, Orcus is obviously somewhat involved because. They're running into like altars of Orcus in this gray dragon's lair, and he's you know because he's working with them on that, mm-hmm. and so and and they don't have any idea why. Like they they know Orcus is involved, and every now and then the agents of Orcus will like hunt them down, and they're they're like, what the hell? What did we ever do to you, Orcus? We're, we're busy doing this other thing. Was hand. Like they haven't figured out that they're working together or why they're working <laughs> together. Um, so they're going to go after Orcus. The reason that that Zaztan is is u- utilizing Orcus is that he's enlisted Orcus's aid to. Um, basically create the ability to make zombies infectious, which D and D that's not the way it works, but oftentimes in movies it is right. Right. And so he's got this undead army that continues to grow as, as they, as they go. Um, so by destroying Orcus, they can figure out how to stop that, which leads them closer to the conclusion where they're, where they will defeat Zastan. Yeah. So, I've headed, got a good, I've got a good Orcus stat block for you if you want. I, I, I thought you might. <laughs> so, I suspect they're going after Orcus. I don't exactly know what that means at this point. Um, is Orcus going to be hanging out in the astral sea with Zaztam? Because I certainly don't want to get to that yet. Is he just lounging at home doing his thing? Like, where is he? What's he doing? And how are they going to find him? And what's, what are they going to do to have to get to him? All of that is an open book. There's nothing like a good trip to the abyss. Oh, yeah, I love the abyss. Okay, so he's sitting at home. Yep. Thanatos. Maybe he's in the middle of a war against another another level at that time. Just for the heck of it, because he's always doing that. Did they, he, he and Demogorgon get into there. Oh, yeah, there you go. In each other's knickers, don't they? Those oh, are two no. great levels, yeah. You have the uh, Planes Below book. Do I have a book? Is there a I book guess. I don't own? Come on. Good. That's a good one. It's got good. I don't think it has Thanatos though. Um, Thanatos was a hard one to find because I guess they they felt like Thanatos had been done too much. But there's some there's some good stuff. I have something that can send you about Thanatos. It's pretty good. Right on. So send him to Thanatos, um, where you know at least in the backdrop there's a war going on with Demogorgon. Um, I got to find some way to to continue to tie this what they're doing though and why you know this the whole thing to the larger plot you know it, i guess it would make sense that demogorgon might get involved right because um what zaztam is trying to do is going to have repercussions across the planes he's trying to turn mm-hmm. himself into an overgod, right um yeah, yeah. I, I don't know you can play demogorgon a bunch of different ways he's kind of crazy i mean yeah, he's de- schizophrenic i could, so, I could see know, demogorgon suddenly becoming their ally you know yeah. wouldn't be really interesting this is one i've always wanted to do which is one head of demogorgon is an ally and one is not mm-hmm 
Okay. So maybe Demogorgon's going to be the one that helps them get to Orcus. Yep. One one head of Demogorgon. Right, one head of Demogorgon is going to help them get to Orcus. Yeah. Now, if you want any continuity across your campaigns, and this is a thought that I just had while I was thinking about this, is that in your next campaign, since obviously the, if we make the assumption that Orcus is going to get killed, okay, Demogorgon takes his plane. Sure. So in the next campaign, whatever's going on, Demogorgon now has more power, has yeah. become ascendant, you know, um, at least it, it, as far as the Abyss goes. Um, and um, that's just a, an rival, a rival to Asmodeus himself. Maybe, but, you know, on the other end of the spectrum. But, yeah. Right. Just a thought. Sure. Yep. But that part I'm not worried about yet. <laughs> I'm not running my next campaign yet. Well, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> As a follow-through, it sort of it dovetails into that. So, yes. yeah. But what am I going to have them do when they get to the Abyss? How are they going to meet up with Demogorgon? How's all that going to go? What do you think? Um, have you got any lingering things left from your underwater adventure? Because Demogorgon is kind of a watery uh, – has some watery aspects. Um, not really. I mean it was really just the one encounter underwater. It wasn't oh, okay. a long, drawn-out thing. All right. Um, there is a connection to Bane that I need to make at some point too because Bane is the other entity that Zaztam is working with. And he's sort of – you know, I, I've sort of had it in my head that he's actually playing the two of them off against each other because Bane and Orcus normally wouldn't mix. So at some point, I need this to sort of lead them to their next <laughs> task, which is confronting Bane. Well, you're going to need a pretty big MacGuffin to get him to to talk him into going to the Abyss to kill Orcus. I mean, Unless they're just bloodthirsty, they want to kill Orcus. <laughs> well, what, in this case, I can just call him out, I suppose. You know, you get to a certain power level, you show up on the plate and say, yeah, Orcus. <laughs> and, and actually, that's a good point. What I probably need to do at this point, at this point in the campaign, is make it very clear exactly what's going on, how Zazham is doing what he's doing. Because if they know that um, that Zazham is able to do what he's doing with his zombie army because of the help of Orcus... Mm-hmm. And Orcus is not in the middle of this massive weaponized spell plague storm that's destroying the world, um, which is a whole other part of the campaign that they'll be dealing with later. Um, then maybe, you know, well, we can't get to Zaztam, but we can get to Orcus because he's on the abyss and we can get there. Hmm. So that might be the MacGuffin because right. they, know, they know that, you know, that's somebody they can get to that's not a god, that's not Bane, you know? Well, exactly. So what I need to do is drop some hints in the current. Um, arc in the current story with the the primordial gray dragon thing. Yeah, a reveal at this point would probably be a good idea. Yeah. Because yeah. at like what, 28th, 29th level, you're going to want to finally just lay the cards out on the table and say, here's well, what's going to happen. And that's what I'm start, <laughs> kind of thinking is that, you know what, yeah. maybe maybe what I need to do is just lay the cards on the table now because they're already at 27. Well, well there you go. Yeah, I, I mean, I, Mike, what do you think? I don't have really a lot of experience with Epic Tier, but what was the question? Should he lay his cards out on the table at this point at level 27? Well, again, you don't want to presuppose too much, so I think... Um, I don't know. That's hard. Um, you want to give him enough, and you want to make sure that your plots are pretty straightforward and simple. Because com- you know, a complicated plot line that they slowly discover, that's not really very rewarding. Well, and, and at this point, it's been a complicated plotline that they've slowly slowly been discovering over 27 levels. I'm thinking at this point that I – Yeah, I, keep, I just, I just you know, give make it, it to them. Narrow, you know, Yeah, make it a lot simpler. 
But I don't know. I mean, like some That's of the not, most fun I had was like things, you know. I really, uh, you know, I really enjoyed it when Orcus was trying to destroy the multiverse, and they didn't know why. Because they said he's just trying to destroy the multiverse, but that would include himself. And it turns out, well, actually, that was just to get you guys off his back for a while. He's really trying to yeah. kill the Raven Queen. You know that that was an interesting little turn mm-hmm. that I enjoyed. So I don't know. I, well, I, I don't and know I that. and I have some turns planned, right? Um, yeah, but I mean, yeah, but I think like laying out almost all of it and keeping maybe one little thing aside. I think, yeah, I think that's sort of where I'm at. Yeah, my mini campaigns, I, I let I let everything be known. You know, it was it was very clear up front what some of the situations were. Okay, kind of like you know the Kill Bill campaign, right? You know, we know where it's headed, right? The whole the whole story for the thing is in the title of the movie. Okay, so I I, I think I know how to get him to the abyss to go after Orcus. How do I get them hooked up with Demogorgon? Does the Demogorgon approach them? That's probably. I still like you know if you if you have one particular head of Demogorgon, right, right. Send, so Demogorgon has. Um, uh, I don't have the book in front of me, but he has two right. aspects, uh-huh. um, one for each of the heads, and one of those aspects could approach them, and maybe they don't know who this guy is, and they don't figure it out, so they don't realize that it's only one head of Demogorgon, and that the other head is actually plotting against them. You know, like they they know. You know, one plot's working with them, one's sending assassins after them. Okay. The whole time it's actually, you know. Of course, you guys are plotting plotting me out a much longer arc than I'm probably going to do. Mm. I mean, this whole... This small side thing, you know. I, I suspect, yeah, I suspect the the whole arc between discovering that that Orcus is helping Zaztam and, and exactly how to killing Orcus is probably going to encompass mm, four to six encounters. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe maybe don't even put the Demogorgon angle in. You know, so if you're because yeah, Zastam is still your main bad guy, and you're right. already throwing in Orcus, so you you've got side. I mean, the idea that Orcus is one of your side villains that that should that ought to do. <laughs> okay, so what do they encounter? They go after Orcus. They're marching into his. So he has a um, oh, I forget the name of his of his throne room or of his of his castle, his keep. But he has a keep, and um, you know, I mean, the main thing is. It, it doesn't necessarily have to be that big. It's just one. You mm-hmm. you could have a bunch of different things. But like when I ran his his place, uh, ever ever lost, I think it's it's called. And um, you know, I think I had like five, three or four encounters. I didn't have much. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually a really great module. I, I I think great is relative. Some people really didn't like it. The Throne of Bloodstone is the name of the module. Um, it's the, one of the original AD&D modules. It was level 18 to, to 100. Oh, jeez. And yeah, uh, I remember that. Yeah. It had like every one <laughs> of the gods in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but an enterprising, you know, an enterprising fellow like yourself probably could come by a copy. And, uh, uh, it had, it was a little wacky, but it had a pretty good discussion of like what, Thanatos was like and what Everlost was like. Um, and you could kind of just take, you know, what looked interesting, you know, and throw out, throw out everything else. Right. I'm, I'm just trying to figure I out. Send you my notes. I have, I have, I have all my notes from when I ran Everlost. Uh-huh. Well, you published a lot of them, right? Uh, I don't know. If <laughs> Maybe not your notes, but your thoughts, your conclusions. Well, I did for, yeah, for Orcus, but I actually have like, here are the rooms that I oh, had. Right. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what is, because on one hand, I'm trying to avoid the becoming typical. Like, you know, we've run into a lot of little two or three room dungeons, so to speak, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And the other hand, yeah, they're, they're, yeah, not, yeah. They're, not, they're not up for a dungeon crawl. They don't want to do that. 
Uh, and it wouldn't mm-hmm. be, it wouldn't make sense anyway. Like, you know, I like to, I like things to make some logical sense. Um, so I'm trying right. to figure out where, where's Orca's going to be? Why is he going to be there? And, and what can, what kind of challenges can I legitimately put against them on the way to find Orcus mm-hmm. um, that makes sense? You know, what if you catch him out on the battlefield? I was thinking about that too. Like a big tent. I mean, I mean, not, he's not, you're not, you'll fight in the tent, but I mean, you, you come up on his battle camp or whatever, and maybe, you know, even demons respect, have a, a healthy respect for someone that could probably kick their butts. So, you know, maybe these guys, I don't know, I, I, I'm just spitballing, but, mm-hmm. but out on the field of battle might be a good, nice open terrain or rocky terrain or whatever, but, you mm-hmm. know. Orcus, I mean, if you're looking for, like, critters to fight, um, Orcus has a um, second-in-command named Glyphomore uh, mm-hmm. that is a uh, Balor, very, very powerful Balor. Oh, that's right. Um, and it's also, you know, I threw a couple of Molly, Molly Dews, Molly Dews. I don't know how to pronounce them, <laughs> but they're like the, you know, level 28 and they're in the planes below book. Sure. So there's lots of good demons that you could see. And plus, you know, I'm al- you got, you got liches. I'm almost half tempted to, you know, to have sort of the, the officer's tent or whatever and have the, the characters sort of barge into that. And you've got, you know, the, the generals and, and all of these other creatures in there. But it turns out Orcus wasn't in the tent. He's actually on the front lines at the moment. You know, he was feeling a little bloodthirsty and wanted to go kill something. Yeah, right. So he's up in the front lines, you know, just destroying the, the army of Demogorgon personally. Maybe he's got, you know, one of those crazy floating ziggurats that's, you know, I always, I had um, a chaos ship that he mm-hmm. flew around in that right fed off souls. It had an engine, a soul engine. But that gives me a reason, you know, maybe that gives me a reason for them to, um, have that encounter with the generals and then realize that, oh, well, or, you know, your princess is another castle. Yeah, <laughs> just, just, just remember, not here. Yeah. I mean, you know, my, my thought on demons versus devils, that devils would definitely have like generals and, and armies and sure, battle sure. tents and stuff, but the demons don't, right? They've got pits, you know, and just horrible things come out of the pits and their only authority is by who kills who. Right. So, you know. You might you might have something. Maybe he just uses pits as a way to get from place to place, or he's you know I don't know. I don't, he he probably wouldn't have a very organized regiment. Yes, no, no, yeah, I get that. Good call. All right, I've got some ideas. I think I can turn this into a three or four encounter thing. Maybe even mixing in the demogorgon part with it too. That would get me another encounter or two at the beginning. I'm good. Yeah, there isn't there isn't a good demogorgon stat block that I've seen. Well, we can, we can figure, we figure something out. <laughs> we can fix that. Yeah. Monster build is good. Or, yeah, the monster build is good for that. Yeah. All right, that's me. I've taken up more than my share of time. Mike, you're up. So I've been playing uh, Guardmore Abbey. Um, I think I've had three sessions, three or four sessions. I can't quite remember. Um, party went to Winterhaven. They met the quest NPCs in Winterhaven and talked to them. They got quest to go to Gardmore. Uh, Sir Oakley, one of the main NPCs. There's, I, I, this is going to have Gardmore spoilers. Is that okay? Good by me. Sure. Right. Um, so Sir Oakley, they went with Sir Oakley to Gardmore Abbey, and they had uh, you know a bunch of quests that could take them to a bunch of different areas, and they got to choose how they wanted to get to the different places in Gardmore. So did they want to go through the front gates and deal with the orcs? Did they want to hop over the wall on the east? Did they want to lurk around on the western side trying to find a secret stairwell that Sir Oakley had heard about? You know, they had lots of options. 
and they ended up taking the secret stairwell. Um, this is kind of a new way for me to run something like this. I'm not, I, I tend to make things a little bit more structured, um, you know, i.e. railroading than I normally do. And this time I'm really just letting them go wherever, the, wherever they want. Um, so they went in and they, uh, you know, the, the problem with that is they, they're not always the most decisive group or they kind of split up and there's a bit of majority rules when they vote on where to go. And sometimes it means they don't exactly attack things in a real organized manner. So they like went into one room, wiped that place out, saw that there was a stairwell down said, no, we're not going to go down that stairwell. We're going to go and clear out that other room that saw a stairwell there and then did go down that one. So they've been kind of jumping all over, not crazy amounts. They finally stuck to the catacombs and went through the catacombs. Um, and then in the catacombs, they, you know, went through a couple of rooms and then got to the, the big room at the end and fought, uh, Vaden Cartwright, who was one of the main villains, um, faced him, fought him, killed him and picked up his, uh, uh, cards from the deck of many things. Uh, Gardmore's a lot of fun. It's a pretty complicated module to run. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts. It's got four books and you will use probably three of the four at your table at any given time because one book has like villains and, you know, villains and, uh, 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 here, you know, allies. Another book has the deck of many things and an over overview of the dungeon. And then the other one has the actual encounters. So I found myself flipping a lot, mm -hmm. you know, to try to figure things out. Uh, I've been running this using my philosophy for lazy dungeon mastering. So I've been, you know, heavy use of, uh, of dry erase battle mats. Um, I started using dungeon tiles. I use them a little bit, but I'm still, you know, I tend to avoid them if I can. Um, I have all the minis for the whole adventure already set aside. So I just grab whichever Ziploc bag happens to have the minis that I need at any given time. And I do basically no prep during the week or very little prep, like maybe, you know, a little bit of note taking. Um, I found that to be kind of challenging. Um, you know, for one, it was like an hour before I said, you know, I still don't even really know who Sir Oakley is. You know, like I need a, I need some kind of character archetype to at least fit him to. And I never came up with a good one, mm. you know, so I just kind of made him up on the fly, but you know, I, I, I just never got a feeling for that. And then, you know, I suddenly realized that, and this was one of, not my, not one of my best moments, um, that, you know, Sir Oakley followed them down, and as they're going through the catacombs, he's kind of telling them the stories of the catacombs, but he's kind of telling them what's going to be in the next room right as they put their hand on the door. So, like, <laughs> there was one scene where they're like, okay, we're going to go through this door, and they put their hand on the door, and he says, hang on, let me tell you about this guy I've been chasing called called Cart or Vaden Cartwright. And he told this whole story about Vaden Cartwright and how he was a, a farmer whose family died of starvation and the plague, and he was so angry he started to worship Tharzadun and built a cult and then got, you know, got kicked out of the area. And so they're like, so oh. it was a big info dump. Yeah, right. This big info dump about Vaden Cartwright. And they went, oh, that's interesting. And they opened the door. Hey, look, it's Vaden Cartwright. You know, and then they thought it would kill him. <laughs> so it was like, you know, it would have been a lot better to introduce. I mean, I did the funny thing is I did a much better job introducing Calarel in my very first fourth edition campaign than I did this guy. Mm -hmm. Because Calarel, they, they knew all about him before they ever even got near him. Right. Um, so o Oakley needs to be telling his stories now for the encounters. Yeah, exactly. You may, you, so, for the encounters you may or may not have for like yeah. three or four sessions. Yeah. Well, one thing one thing I'm going to do is is bits of my I'm we're, I'm taking a week off, um, and I'm going to do bits of microfiction throughout the week, like just you know probably twice that tells the story of some of the other yes. major NPCs in in just like you know 250 word emails, just really small emails that just kind of 
you know, say what's the what's the orc chief doing right now? Mm-hmm. Again, getting back to thinking like what's what what's going on? What are the NPCs doing while the PCs are doing what what they're doing? Right. You know, I'm, I'm going to give them little hints, and even if it's off camera, right? It's 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 not necessarily something their PCs know, but it's cinematic. But it's cinematic, and they know it, and they go, "Oh, that's kind of interesting." Um. So one of the things I did is uh, I love like integrating the deck of many the cards from the deck of many things and the powers. Uh, one thing that people I, I enjoyed, and I think people enjoyed. Was that you know Vaden has three had three cards of the deck and he drew all three and you know one at a time each round he would throw a card out and activate its power and it would do some stuff and then he next round he'd throw the next card down and that was continually changing the battlefield which is kind of cool mm-hmm. yeah um uh and the other thing I did with Vaden though is when I when I looked at his powers his powers didn't fit the kind of scenario he's in. You know, it's always one of these encounters where he's way at the back of the room and then you look at his stat block and it turns out he's got nothing but melee. Yeah. And I'm like, great. Yeah. You know, and he's just going to get pinned down and killed. So I just gave him a ranged area blast, you know, like I gave him a, a, a range blast one, you know, that did the same thing that his close burst did. Only now he could do it from range. And that was really effective, particularly the party kept bunching up in groups and they got hit with that like three times. So, Again, you know, it's a little part of me feels like I betrayed it because I didn't follow the stat block that was in the book and I just made stuff up. And the other part's like, well, you know, of course I just made stuff up. You're you know? a DM. I'm a DM. What, well, what you else did exactly what a do? DM is supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, he all those guys got wiped out really quick and he was by himself and he's tough. Like he was level 10 and they're level six and he's a soldier. So his defenses are real high. Yeah. But you know, when he got when when he got down and he was alone, suddenly he gained an extra free attack with his mace. So you know, now he's hitting people twice, and boy, he was ripping people up. And everyone's like, "My God, we had three people down in one round," you know. And you know, Sir Oakley's running around doing heel checks to try to get it back on their feet. So you know, again, just upping that, upping the danger, just mm-hmm. because I felt like it, you know, just because it seemed to fit. Right. Um, so, so where do you think they're going next? Well, they're headed back to um, they're headed back to Winterhaven. Uh, one thing that I I learned was that uh, you know people really don't. At my game, we play on weeknights, and everyone kind of just wants to go home after the final battle. So any you know whatever choices or decisions or story or whatever that has to happen after the final battle better be really really quick because they're packing their dice and they're going right. home. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of flubbed getting him back to Winterhaven because there was all this, like, skill challenge stuff. Not skill challenge. It was just skill checks. I don't do mm-hmm. skill challenges anymore. But, you know, they, they had a, bunch, a big series of skill checks to get to the top of Gardmore by finding that stairwell and avoiding orc patrols and all this other stuff. And then I said, and now you just go back the way you came and go to Winterhaven. They're like, it was so hard the first time. You know, like, I should have taken a lot more. I'm like, well, you guys want to go home. You know, I, we could sit here for a half hour of you rolling dice. But you've already packed them up. <laughs> but I already did. Yeah, you've done it. Yeah. It was it, it was it just as hard. Yeah, it was just as hard. It took you a while, and you had to avoid orc patrols and all kinds of stuff happened. But you made it. So you know, hand waving that kind of stuff. But they're back in Winterhaven, and I, I have no idea what they're going to do next. They still have a series of quests. They they can go back and deal with orcs now. And they they've got a bunch stuff. of they got a bunch of cards now, right? And now they have a bunch of cards. They have five cards. Yeah, they've got the three from. The three from Vaden Cartwright and uh, one that they found in the in one of the big rooms and, um, and one, one that they the started. Yeah, and they they've now faced the NPCs, um, the Greyblades. I call them the Greyblades. I don't think they have a name, um, but there's an NPC group that's also another adventuring group that's kind of doing similar things. 
And um, they faced them um, two weeks ago for the first time and had a great big battle. And then, you know, it was really tough. And then the, the other group kind of got bloodied, so they just left. The whole group, the whole sure. group took off. But they know that that group also has some cards. Now, how many, how many entities are there, agents, if you will, that in the adventure in the Gardmore Abbey that have cards? Mm. Think about. I don't know. I don't have the list in front of me. There's, I think it's about four or five entities, and then there's a couple other ways to get cards. And, and is there sort of a running theme amongst those entities that they want more, that they're trying to become more powerful? Not necessarily. In fact, you no. Know, some of them are willing to give them up. Yeah, as like quest rewards. Okay. So, yeah. Because I'd be, I'd be curious if to make things a little bit more more dynamic is that if you had, uh, you know, one of these NPCs with the cards wanting to be, you know, get get the ones that they've just accumulated, mm-hmm. actually hunt them down um, in Winterhaven, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and take some of the agents that are stat, statted out as being in, a, in, in, you know, that person's lair or what have you, and but take it to the city. Yeah, but that, that requires work. Not much. I mean, just th- you just throw down some buildings and you say you're in Winter Haven and have them attacked in the street in the middle of the night or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I have some I have some interesting interactions with with folks that they're do- they're going to do in Winter Haven, and I've got some you know some other agents that are kind of in play. But I don't know that I'm going to run. I kind of want Winter Haven to be a good safe haven for them, so I don't know that I'm going to have okay, just like battling in the streets. Sure, sure. Well, and you could also I mean you could also do it on the, on the trip back or whatever too. But yeah, just just I mean, a, just a thought because I've I've always enjoyed. It, um, on, on, Other ways to, I guess, you know, questions I have for you guys who so are just hearing mm-hmm. me talk about the game. One of the things I'm a fan of is like, okay, there's a few different NPCs that still are around. I don't want to name them because my wife's sitting right behind me, <laughs> plays in it. But there's other NPCs, <laughs> and I'm trying to think like, what are the, you know, what are the better ways to introduce NPCs, particularly when they're a little bit monster closety, you know? Okay, so they're holed they, up in their layers. Yeah, right. Like Vaden, he's okay. the bottom basement of the catacombs, and like, there's nothing about what he else he does, like. Do they ever run into him in Winter Haven? You know, does he harass them somewhere else? How, how are they feeding themselves? Yeah, right. I don't know. He just gnaws on the bones of people or the sandwich. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, so like what are the other ways to introduce – and then maybe it's dependent on the NPCs themselves. But what are the other ways – I mean flash fiction is one way to introduce NPCs and that's a nice one. Um Obviously, if you can run into them, that's another one. Mm-hmm. You know, having Sir Oakley just tell a story, you know, is one. But what other ways have you kind of introduced NPCs into your or villains? You know, particularly villains into a campaign. You could always I, run into their agents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I, I, yeah, that was what I was going to say. That no. was a big again. Big. How are they, how are they eating? You know, maybe while they're in Winterhaven, they're running into these NPCs, and these NPCs are actually the agents of some of these villains. You know, gathering supplies and you know, <laughs> right. picking up a bundle of oats or whatever. Yeah, well, the the the, the NPC adventuring party is a good one because and and if you guys have read the module, I mean, the modules really they're they're parts of it I love. I wish it was a hardback book instead of four smaller mm-hmm. books. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I remember you guys reviewed it and different things you didn't like. One of the <laughs> things, and, and Mike, you've 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 touted this before, but I think one of the things that you could do is take some of your own advice. The NPCs are always doing things. Have right. some of the NPCs doing some ordinary day to day tasks mm-hmm. where they are encountered by the players. Right. So you know, and whether that's through an agent or the NPC itself, you know, maybe I, I know that Winterhaven, if I recall from uh, Keep on the Shadowfell, there is a regular uh, merchant group or a flower girl that's there. Yeah. Like right. every couple of weeks or something, she shows up or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so there's these regular things that happen in Winterfell. It's a regular thriving t- 
town. It's not really a city. It's mm -hmm. a small town, but um, something like that that may seem innocuous at first, mm -hmm. but then grow into some, you know is a way to introduce them. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've got some interesting stuff like they didn't go after the orcs, and I can I say this because Michelle's going to find that anyway. Um, but you know the orcs have still been raiding. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. They didn't go after the orcs, so they've been running around. You know, fighting skeletons in a catacomb, and the city's like, "Hey, look! You know, the orc leader's still been attacking our freaking caravans." Well, see, there, there's another way to introduce them, so right? For, thank you so much for helping out with the freaking orc. Well, you know, that's that's. I mean, the city could could be a way of introducing the NPCs without actually running the risk of starting a combat in the middle of the city, right? Yeah, right. The 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 this you know people in the city could be like, "Hey, yeah. we're having this problem with orc raids. You know, it, it looks like it's being caused by." Krunglutch, the the guy, you know, whatever, and you get yeah. into you can get into a little bit of a background there. Yeah, I think is Paravel still the leader of Winterhaven? Um, yes. What's his name? Lord Pedraig. Pedraig, Pedraig yeah. Okay. And I um, he's I one of the major quest the... NPCs. Oh, he's a quest NPC. Yeah, he's oh, he's quest giver. He's okay. one of three. There's three big quest givers in Guardmore. Okay, all right. I wasn't sure if he was still a big. Okay. Yeah, it's him. It's um. Uh, um, Sir Sir Oakley is the other one, and then there's the third that will go unnamed. Yeah, is Valthrun still there? Uh, yes, and he is okay. a minor quest NPC guy. Okay, yeah, and he's kind of memorable. Like my group remembers him from the first time they were in Winter Haven years ago. In fact, they keep going, like, "Yeah, you remember the other group was here? There, those guys were pretty badass." And I'm like, nah, <laughs> no, I don't really remember them. They, they were all right, I guess. Um. So yeah, I think I think one of the more so one of the things that's great about Gardmore is um, I don't know if you remember the original Ravenloft uh, uh, adventure, but Ravenloft used like fortune telling, like uh -huh. uh, tarot cards, to build the adventure. Right. So every time you ran it, the adventure would be different. And by original, I think you mean the second version. No, I mean the original one that uh, Tracy yeah. Hickman and Parker Weiss had done had that. Oh, did it? I have it. I knew. I knew the second one had that because yeah, uh, the AD, uh, the AD and D version had that with all the cards and stuff and, and built into yeah. it. And it was a much bigger uh, thing. I didn't remember. I ate. I ate. I ate. Right. Yeah. I, I have it. I just don't, I didn't remember that being in it. Yeah. Yeah. And anyway, so they do the same kind of thing in here that they use the deck of many things to determine uh, a few different points, and you know it determines. You know, it's got some and it changes some of the NPCs and their motivations. Uh, it determines who gets what cards, so you don't know that. You know, in this one. You know, uh, Vaden had, you know, three top cards, but anybody else, he might have three different cards. Um, and the other cool bit is it changes the the um, adventuring party, the other adventuring group, uh, you know, that you run into them at different points. And they have different attitudes towards you depending on when you meet them and depending on, you know, what, what they drew as their cards. Um, so I, I really like it because it means that everybody who's playing it is having a pretty radically different experience. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so that's, you know, I mean, a little bit of that is ruined if you know what elements are random, but I think it'd be, you, you could actually play it and run it and not get spoiled too badly. Cool. So yeah, it's good. But yeah, I'm having fun. The, the lazy DM thing works pretty well. I think there's, there's, you know, I mean, I'm trying to do like as little prep as possible. I, I, I take a three by five note card out about an hour before the game and say, okay, I think these are the general things that are going to happen. And you're like, what are, what are the things that I have to remember? Well, I got to remember that, you know, that Sir Oakley wants to tell him about Vaden. And I got to remember that they're going to do this. And generally yeah. after been, that, I just let them go where they want. I've been doing the, a little bit of that with my story stuff. Right? I, I kind of 
take the time to prep my encounters and what have you, but mm-hmm. the story elements in between and how to get in there and all that, I've sort of been leaving a little bit looser and making up on the fly. And, um, it is a skill I need to practice. Yeah. Well, that's the way I feel like I'm, all my other ones have been very heavily, heavily, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time on them and now I'm trying to, I'm, I'm specifically just trying to get better at, at running, running the games ad hoc mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Cool. Well, any other th- things you need from us? I don't think so. All right. Not at the moment. We're down to 10 minutes for Randall. All right. Oh. Well, I'll make it fast. <laughs> I did actually get to play <laughs> we, this month. We can go yeah. long if we need to. It's fine. Yeah. And, um, of course, as you remember, they're exploring the uh, the worlds of Mist. Yes. And, um, and this last were, session. They were at the what, Stone Ship or something like that? Yes. Right? They were going to Stone Ship. And um, I had an interesting thing happen. I had one of my characters um, – uh, funny story, two of the guys that are in my campaign, they both uh, got jobs at the same hospital um, in tech support, right? Mm-hmm. And so one of them had started working on weekends, and he had to drop out of my campaign. Hmm. And um, But however, his friend also got a job there, but he took over that guy's weekend shift. So I got my original guy back, and the second guy is now gone. So he can't play anymore because of the schedule change. Mm-hmm. So I had to have a, I had to come up with a reason for his player to uh, for his character to not be there anymore. And so I told them um, when they woke up after sleeping out one night that um, uh, it, it's their fighter too. So it's their tank that left, uh, which is going to be kind of tough. But um, he uh, he had left the note saying you know went to Stone Ship because they'd already unlocked it. Went to Stone Ship. Um, and that was about it. Kind of a mysterious note. So they're going, okay, well, maybe we should go to Stone Ship, find out where he's at. Um, so they get up and they go. Uh, and of course, it's pouring down rain there. The great thing about Stone Ship is, is there's a couple of puzzles that are they're subtle, but once you get it, you kind of figure it out. There's a pump where the, with three, three switches. And water fills all the major areas where they have to go. But as you push one of these buttons on the pump, it drains one of the areas so you can access it. Okay, so they figured that out pretty quick, and they they discovered the brothers' rooms that are inside the actual mountain itself right away. And so they're they're basically ransacking those. They're finding all the cool treasure and stuff. And um, and like I've set it up in most of this stuff, there's not a direct kill the monsters, take their treasure um, situation. Mm-hmm. They'll often just find stuff because I kind of wanted to model it after the game. So as you're exploring, you you know they're looking at their rooms and they're finding all these cool things. They find the center room, which is where the final puzzle piece is at. But every time they try to push a button on the – it's like a big compass rose, right? And there's a bunch of buttons all the way around the compass rose. Um, and as they're pushing these random buttons, it's setting off an alarm and they and they you know run out and they realize they're not getting something. So – they finally get over to the um, uh, to the lighthouse, which is where the power supply is, and they discover they got to turn this crank, and it's literally like a battery pack, that or sort of like a generator that um, that runs for a little bit, like capacitor kind of a thing. Um, they get that figured out, and as they're coming out of the um, lighthouse, I that's when I decided to have the the monster encounter, and what I did is I reskinned a hydra. Um, and instead of a hydra, instead of different heads, it was tentacles. Hmm. And they were all over. And the great thing about hidden tentacles is that you never see the main part of the monster. And so you always – and, of course, if you kill a hydra head, two more spring up in place, which is what I did. 
Um, and without a tank, it was pretty brutal for him. <laughs> hmm. um, and it's it scared the crap out of him pretty well. They still handled it okay. Um, but uh, the um, the Paladin actually stepped up. And in addition to doing some healing, um, helped the Archer, which came back, uh, to defeat the monster. But um, like I've said before, the monsters in these are, are more for so that we have something additional to do in addition to solving the puzzles in the game and stuff, which is really the primary focus of this of this adventure. But they've enjoyed the monster encounters so far. So, um, But the, the puzzles were interesting because they did not get which button they had to click. It wasn't until they went up to the uh, – they went up the big spiral. There's a big spiral ramp that surrounds the mountain, and at the top is a, is a telescope. And when you look through the scope in a 360-degree arc – there's a particular point that you can focus on, and it happens to be the top of the um, lighthouse. Okay, and that's at like 135. There's like markings on the telescope so that you know that's 135 degrees, right? Hmm. So they could go down, and then they look on the compass and they press the button that's at 135 degrees. So that's what turns. That's what unlocks everything, and then they can go and they can find the return book and get back to mist. So. Um, the nice thing about this is I ran it on just a flat piece of map that I sketched out. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I printed it out, and um, it was all just uh, uh, what I use post razor to you know to get it all set up. Um, and then a lot of the game, they like I said, I've been setting up a monitor so that they can actually see the game screen, so they can see the environment that they're in. Mm-hmm. And um, and so far, it was it was a great hit. And we made the transition pretty well between um, uh, lose, uh, gaining one player back and then yet yeah, but losing another player. Um, it sounds it was, like it sounds like your players are having a similar experience in Mist than the, to my mm-hmm. own. In that mm-hmm. you you clearly see the puzzle, you clearly see how the puzzle works, and yet you can't figure out how to solve it. <laughs> right, and I actually like that. Because yeah, that, that, it's not... that's exactly what my experience playing Mist. And you know, just do that <laughs> until you either find a walkthrough or give up. You know. Uh-huh. <laughs> But they actually solved it, and I and I didn't have to give them any hints or anything, um, and I thought that was pretty cool. And then finally, to explain what happened to the other character, um, if you read the book about Stoneship, it talks about how Atris meets a, a young boy that swims to the island. Okay, see Stoneship the way it's called. The reason it came about was that Atris was it was his first attempt to write a world, right. and when he wrote it, he had flaws, and so he wanted to write a boat to explore around in. But what happened was that. There was an island, and the boat was sort of like merged with it. And so there's like one half of the boat on one side of this mountainous area and an, an, another half of the boat on the other side. So it was like merged. And um, But a boy swam over, and he got to know this boy. Well, for my own characters, just as they were getting ready to leave, um, the, the, the boy that Atris talks about, they find as an adult, and he, he, he meets them. He swims up to the island and says something cryptic about um, uh, how the fighter has gone to join them or whatever. Uh, and, um, and of course, there's no explanation because the guy then just like dives off and swims away, right? So the, the, the players, the characters are all going, what? <laughs> he joined them? What does that mean? <laughs> and so I've kind of just left that hanging mm-hmm. because I don't know if some point, you know, maybe his schedule will clear up and he'll be able to rejoin the group. Um, I'll have to come up with some kind of story as to what happened during his absence. But, sure. but at least now you've got uh, a reason why he's gone that, right, that exactly. leaves you enough wiggle room to make something up later. 
Right, exactly. And um, it was just mysterious enough to make them all go like, what the fuck? Oh, excuse my language. But yeah, it was it was like that. So it was kind of funny. And um, of course, next time they will be going to the last um, the last age. This is the last age coming up. And this will be the fancy one, um, Channel Wood, with um, lots of props. It'll be really prop heavy. I hope to take some pictures of it so that you can attach it to the, uh, to the next episode that we do. So, because we'll be playing on the 16th. So cool, or the the weekend of the whatever I think the nineteenth maybe. So what it is. at the point that you've left off, they've gotten back to Mist, or they're about to fit, solve the puzzle and get back. Or no, they did solve the puzzle. They found the book, the Mist book, um, which actually comes out of a table. That was the other thing they had actually found. One of the conceits of the game is that um, if you have not solved the puzzle yet and you go to the final room, it's all dark, so you can't see any details or anything. Well. The characters have lights, so I have to figure that out some way. You know, I have to figure, okay, so they look all around, and there's nothing but a plain wood table at the bottom of the thing. Well, they're looking all around. They don't find the book, obviously. But once they've solved the puzzle, the book actually comes out of the table. And it does this in-game. The book comes out of the table, mm-hmm. and then they can open the book, and they can find it. So um, so they're, they're back now, and um, they've, they've collected the red and blue pages. I don't know if you remember that from last time which is where the brothers are trapped, Atrus's sons. And one is kind of diabolical and sinister sounding, and the other one's like really a madman sounding kind of guy. And they're starting to get the point. They're both – they're still debating amongst themselves like, hmm, do we release one of these guys or are they both crazy? And some, A couple of them are getting to the point where they're thinking neither one of these guys is, is, is the real deal. So that will be interesting to find out what they finally decide. So. Right on. Yeah. So, so it's been fun. So where are you headed next and, and is there anything we can help you with? Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything. I kind of want to know. Right now I've got solos for the two brothers in case they decide to release one of them. But I don't know if that is the best way to go or if there's, an, or if there's another way to go instead. Um Atrus is kind of – I mean the father is – I'm not even statting out because he's really an NPC. He's not someone they're going to fight. But the one of the other brothers, if they are released, they could they could certainly fight. And I've, I figured one of them as a sorcerer, the diabolical one, and one of them as a uh, warlord. Although none of them are, are really the fighting sort, right? I mean that's why they're dealing with – in the world of books and puzzles and all that – well, it's, the brothers it's not an adventure them, story. No, but the brothers themselves were kind of tyrannical leaders when they were kind of cut loose on the world. Okay, sure. Yeah. And so they, you know, and the, and the one the one that's kind of crazy was pretty bloodthirsty. And um so I see him as a very barbaric type and you know, and a warlord seemed to fit his style. His style, if you will. Um so but I don't know if that if that makes an effective solo, if or maybe he should have you know something else happen. So I'm, I'm see, still part, a little. Part of me would be tempted to, to have them, you know, if they, if they do get released, have them come out, um, and not immediately be, you know, another you know a, a monster to fight sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But maybe something is going on that that it changes them or. 
you know, they release something or they have some sort of effect and they're, you know, you got to fight, you know, the world, if, if that makes any sense, you know? Yeah, I think I see some kind of elemental effect. Yeah, you know, well, you know, yeah. So, yeah, something. So so that now, you know, mist itself becomes the enemy in the same way that it has been the whole time. Mm, right. You know, solving the puzzles and all that has always been sort of the actual enemy, the, the, the actual challenge of the whole thing. Right. Um, you know, so I, I'd almost be tempted to make them less of a combatant and more, more of a, you know, when they come out, they cause some sort of problem that now you have to deal with. It become, and that becomes the big challenge, the big finale sort of fight. Hmm. Okay. If they go that way at all. Do you ever see the movie Dark City? Did we talk about Dark City already? Oh, I've had that conversation yeah. recently with somebody. It might have been with you guys, but yeah, I haven't maybe. seen it. So Dark City is a it's a science fiction movie about well, I don't want to uh, spoil it but you know it's about an environment where the very environment is an antagonist and um, I think it works really well it worked really well in Gloomrot the idea that the city of Gloomrot and the Shadowfell right. that it's the villain and of course my favorite is Athos and Dark Sun you know the planet is the villain you know it's trying to kill everybody on it when you start thinking of the villain as a as a you know planetary body or an area as a setting yeah that can be pretty cool you know that's a it's a it's a malevolence that just exists well one of the things i'd mold over is the fact that um in the actual game itself one of the endings is that you can get trapped in the book in other words when you put the final page in um and and touch the panel the brother comes out and you're replaced and Mm. you're now in the book prison okay and the thought occurred to me that Whoever touches the book first is at least temporarily in the book prison while the other guy is wailing on the rest of the party. And so they're automatically down a member, mm-hmm. and um, which no, makes it a little the, more challenging. The, the, the downside to that is then what's that player going to do? Well, they're gonna get my bored. point – well, my point is that maybe then they can – there's a chance for them to be released. And so you have this tag team situation. It's like, oh, crap. We need our archer. Run. Get him out of the book. You know? And they don't know. They don't catch on it first that it's the, um, it's the, it's the touching of the book that's actually you know, swapping people in and out of mm-hmm. this of this prison age or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you see the anyway. mirror of the mirror of life trapping in the Book of Vile Darkness, the new Book of Vile Darkness. I don't. I know of the mirror of life trapping, but I don't know the specific yeah, a, stats for this. It's got a nice. It, there's a stat block for it, but it's it's got a stat where it traps anyone who looks into the mirror and and holds them within. And you know, it seems like the only person that you can, the only way to get somebody out of it is to put someone else in, which makes it great for Book of Val Darkness. But it makes it, it might make it kind of a cool. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I'll have to check, I'll have to look at that. It's in the compendium, right? Uh, yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Those are good ideas. Yeah. Things to think about. All right. Well, that's what we got. Anything else Excellent. we need to talk about? I think we're good. Because we're at about uh, an hour or five or so on our recording. Yeah. Not bad, a considering little... we added a whole new section. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Send, send, in your, um, send in your emails. Send in your emails. Uh, thetomeshow at gmail.com or call the voicemail at 919-BizTome. Uh, anything else we want to say as we exit? Thanks to our sponsors, Continue Magazine yes. and Gamerati, uh, dot com. Good guys at both those places. Excellent. Yay. Very good. Mike, anything? Right. Nope, nothing. What? I'm good. You want to pimp anything? Uh, com slash epic? Uh, yeah. yeah no. <laughs> uh, slash book. Um, and uh, I have a new Far Realm article called Far Realm Fiends. Yeah, you and do. Randall, you've got a... 
I have a Far Realm article as well. It's yeah. um, the truth is out there from a from a Dungeon Duo one. So right on. And you know who didn't publish in the Wizards of the Coast this month? Mm-hmm. That's me. lots of lots of people. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'll be there. You, you yes, make, you will. You make I, these, man. You hammer these shows out. How many shows a week yeah. are you doing now? <laughs> Crazy. Just just one a week on average is sort of where we're at. You are the voice of RPGs. That's that's good, Jeff Reiner. All right. Yep. All right. Bye, everybody. <laughs> bye, bye.